Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to Silver Creek again. We are thrilled that you've uh, chosen to join us online. Um, I was thinking, if you were at all wondering about whether or not you should help out at Greater Trinity uh, and play uh, chess with them, if you're like, oh, I don't really know how to play chess. Actually, you're perfect because the kids like to win. So um, if you don't know how to play chess, uh, they're looking for you because <laughs> then the kids feel good about themselves. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for being a part of our weekly service, uh, making it a priority to be here. We appreciate that. Um, and so glad that you're here. I want you to try something really quickly, um, and, and maybe this isn't very fun, but I want you to try it for a second. I want you to think back to how much we hated March, right? Like, just, just think back six months or so, and think back to how much we all hated March. And I realized that there were some birthdays and probably some anniversaries, and, and normally March is a great month with lots of basketball, but, but I want you to just think back for a second to how much we all hated March. I mean, Remember all the jokes that we told about March, right? Like, oh, it's a disobedient child. And I remember seeing people like, this is the month that lasted for a decade. Or we, you know, people were finishing Netflix and Zoom back then was still just a word that meant we go really fast. But, but remember back, okay, remember back to March. Can you imagine in the middle of March if we actually knew what was coming next? And then what was coming next? And then what was coming next? I mean, just imagine, with all that was happening in March, and then everything that was to come. And I'd actually like to encourage you, um, if you were at all thinking about telling October to behave, or to chill out, or to mind its business, I saw a bunch of people, you know, warning September to be nice. Listen, don't poke the bear. Like, don't tease it, don't talk about it, just let's let, let's just let October rest, because we all know that November is guaranteed to be crazy. We got this election, if you haven't heard about it, it's coming up. So let's just leave October alone and see if we can get through one month. But the reality is that with everything that life brings, and with all of the new pressures and all of the new situations that have popped up in 2020, Clearly, people are struggling with a lot of anxiety. People are very anxious. And our minds are just running and running at top speed, and, and we're struggling to process everything that's happening. And sometimes it's hard what to do next. And, and in fact, probably once a week, Elizabeth and I show up to work, and, and one of us literally can't focus on any task or any project. Pretty much once a week, one of us shows up and there's all these thoughts and ideas and issues and families in crisis and problems that we're dealing with and challenges and tasks and steps that are just swirling around in our head and, and so much so that we can't seem to move forward. And typically when that happens, the other person recognizes it and the other one's like, okay, well, let's do a brain dump. And basically, when we do a brain dump, the person that's in the funk at the moment, their job is just to start listing out every thought, every concern, whatever it is, as soon as it comes to mind. Just, and then the person that's currently sane in the moment just starts writing down the list as fast as we can, writing it down. We're not trying to solve anything. We're not trying to strategize anything. We're not trying to explain. We're just, we're just writing the list, writing the list. So a lot of times, one of us will stand at the whiteboard, and all of a sudden, the whiteboard will be full, and the other person will be like, okay, I'm done. And then we start going through and we just start trying to knock off the easy stuff. We just start breaking down that list and trying to make, okay, we just, because essentially in the moments before we, we did the brain dump, there were just so many thoughts and so many things that were preventing us from actually being able to deal with any of the thoughts. And anxiety was growing and as that anxiety grew, nothing could improve in that moment. 
there was a recent article that actually had a pretty interesting t statistic. It said this was according to the National Center for Health. Back in July of 2019, they discovered that 8.2% of adults were showing signs of an anxiety disorder. Okay, so let's just think about that. About a year and a half ago, July 2019, 8.2% of adults were suffering from an anxiety disorder. And then just a couple of months ago, they ran that same study. And in July of 2020, they found that 36% of adults were now showing signs of an anxiety disorder. So if there's any part of you that was wondering at all why we were doing a series on emotions, <laughs> let me just run those statistics by you one more time. 2019, 8.2%. In 2020, it was so high they didn't even go with a point anymore. It was just... 36%. I mean, imagine what would happen if they ran that study right now with kids going back to school, right? I mean, off the charts. So in this series of emotions, what we're trying to do is we're looking at the emotions that Jesus endured and the emotions that Jesus experienced and then seeing how he expressed and responded to those emotions. So today I want to look at the idea of Jesus experiencing anxiety and start to look at and recognize that anxiety is a real thing and anxiety is super complicated. It's physiological, it's emotional, it's situational, and anxiety is spiritual. And so when we talk about anxiety, we need to look at it from a very holistic approach not just see it as one thing, but recognize it's a bigger thing. So, so you, there's a good chance if you're struggling with anxiety that you, you might need to go see your doctor. And they might be able to help you with diet or some supplements or, or maybe even some medication of some sort that could help you processing that. It might mean that you need to go see a counselor. Find somebody that you can just sit and speak with and talk with and, and really process some of the feelings that you're having that are leading to that anxiety. And so as we take a holistic approach to this, we also need to recognize, and the only area that I am qualified to talk about, is the spiritual side of anxiety. And so as we take this holistic approach, and as we talk about it from a spiritual perspective, we need to understand and recognize it is truly a real emotion. And it's an emotion that many people are enduring today at some level. Even if you don't fall into the anxiety disorder level, a lot of us are struggling with anxiety. And when we look at Jesus, he dealt with anxiety. And as we talk about the idea of anxiety as a Christian, some questions start to raise. We start to have some questions like, if I'm feeling anxious, does that mean that did, did I fail God somehow? If I'm feeling anxious, did, did I let him down? Am I, am I not living by faith? Or, or the big question, if I have anxiety, is it, is it sin to be anxious? And I want to say very clearly, it is not a sin to be anxious. Anxiety is a lot like anger. Anger in itself is not sin, but anger can lead to sin. And in the same way, anxiety is not sin, but anxiety could lead to sin. Like the Bible encourages us, in our anger, don't sin. So in the same way, anxiety is not sin, but anxiety, if we don't make, take care of it, it can lead to sin. So again, feeling anxiety doesn't mean we've let God down. In fact, it might surprise us if we recognize that, that God's son, Jesus, 
experienced it. Some theologians would say that Jesus experienced some extraordinary levels of anxiety when he started to realize what he was going to endure on the cross. As he looked ahead to the suffering that he would experience, to the the price that he would pay, to what it was actually going to mean to give his life on the cross. And so today I want to look specifically at, at how Jesus responded to anxiety And my hope is that as we look at this, you and I will be able to begin finding some relief from the anxiety that we experience by looking at the example of Jesus. Now again, I've mentioned that that anxiety is not a sin. And one of the great ways that we know it's not a sin is that Jesus experienced it. And Jesus never sinned. Now it's important to know that there are times where we might reach a point of anxiety due to sin in our lives. But let me again be clear. Anxiety not a sin, but it's possible that we experience an experience anxiety as a result of sin in our life. I'll give you an example. Think back to when you were a kid. When, when, when in your house you did something that was clearly outside of the rules of the house, anxiety probably began to set in. Right. I, I grew up, I have two brothers, and they were both younger than me, and, and there was this ongoing fight that my mom decided to, she was going to solve. We were always fighting over who was going to get the most cookies. or you know, like, so, so my mom's attempt, or my mom's approach to solving the cookie dilemma is that, is that she, would take, she took a container, and she got three containers, and she put cookies in each container, and then she put our names on each container, so we each had our own container of cookies. And she would kind of calculate it out so that we would each get three cookies every day, until the next refill. But she said, listen, you can, you can handle these cookies however you want. On the first day, you can eat them all, I don't care, but I'm not gonna refill it until this certain point. Or you can choose to pace yourself and just eat three cookies every day. Or you can just wait, and on the very last day, you can have just a cookie palooza. She's like, whatever you wanna do. Well, I managed to discover another way to help stretch out my cookies. The other way that I managed to help stretch out the cookies that were in my container is I began eating some of the cookies in my brother's containers. (laughs) Now, we didn't actually have a rule against it, but I knew it was not okay. And on the very day that I got caught stepping outside of the rules, I experienced great anxiety, and it began to rise within me because I knew that punishment was coming, because violating cookies is a bad thing. So so when we sin in our life, when we step outside of God's best for us, when we break relationship with God or break relationship with other people, anxiety can begin to rise within us. Anxiety that we might get caught. Anxiety from feeling guilty. But the great news is, Jesus died and paid the price for that sin. He covered that up. He cleared our name. Forgiveness is available to us. Now, when we haven't accepted that forgiveness, at times that will grow anxiety in us. And even when we have accepted that forgiveness, there are still consequences from those choices that can create anxiety. I mean, if if you choose to lie to your friends, your friends will probably stop trusting you, and you might find yourself without friends. Anxiety might grow. If you rob a bank, God will forgive you, but you'll still likely spend time in prison. If you drive your car too fast, God will forgive you, but you still get to pay the traffic ticket and you still get to pay the insurance cost increase. Anxiety. Those those will all increase the anxiety because of the sin that we chose in our life, even after we've been forgiven. 
But it's important if in our life, if there's sin, that, that we confess, that we say, God, I'm so sorry for that. I'm so sorry for those choices that I've made. I want to receive the forgiveness that you offered. But understand that there still could be anxiety from the guilt of that, that we might still experience that. And so we still, in that moment, because that anxiety might exist because of a choice that we made, we still need to look to Jesus to find the relief that he demonstrated in the example that Jesus set. And what's interesting is, is in the times when Jesus began to feel anxious, when Jesus began to have anxiety, he did what most men are unwilling to do unless it involves sports or cars. Jesus chose to talk. When anxiety began to rise up in Jesus, he talked. He would say what it was that that was causing him to feel anxious. And as we look at the example today of Jesus, we begin to recognize that we can find relief in our anxiety because as he began to experience anxiety and began to wrestle with it, the relief that he found came when he would begin to talk about it. And I think there's three places that Jesus would speak to, three necessary listeners that Jesus would address. One of Jesus' close friends, a guy by the name of Mark, who was a friend and a follower, Mark spent three years with Jesus. He observed what Jesus said. He observed what Jesus did. And in one of the very highly anxious moments, Mark recorded how Jesus responded to anxiety. And the first thing that we see in the way that Jesus responded to anxiety is Jesus chose to, and you and I need to choose, to let your friends know. One of the places that Jesus turned to when he was anxious was his friends. When he was feeling anxiety, when he was feeling overwhelmed, when there was a heaviness setting in, when there was a weight, Jesus turned and talked to his friends. And in the same way, you and I need to turn and talk with godly, spiritual, helpful friends. The context of the conversation that Jesus is about to have, it happened after the Last Supper. This is the last time that that Jesus and the 12 guys would hang out and have a meal together before he would be arrested and died on a cross. They share this meal together, the 12 disciples and Jesus, and, and eventually Judas slips away heads off to betray Jesus and to find, find the guys that he's going to sell them out to. So you can imagine, as Jesus looks to what's coming in, as he thinks about what Judas is about to do, you can imagine the hurt and the anxiety that this is causing Jesus to experience. And so then Jesus turns to the guys, and he's like, hey, let's, let's go to this other place. And they head off to this garden. It's kind of like a park of sorts. And then this is what Mark wrote down. Mark said, they went to a place called Gethsemane. Real quick, I don't know how familiar you are with the Bible. I I learned something new this week about Gethsemane. Gethsemane was was an olive grove. Like, it was a grove of olive trees. And at Gethsemane, there was actually an olive press. And so what they would do is they would collect the olives from these trees, and then they would put them in the press, and then they would squish them to the point where the pressure was so great that olive oil would be produced. So when you think about what Jesus is about to endure and all of the pressure that he's about to experience, it's interesting that he would go to a place called Gethsemane, which actually is a word that means olive press. He recognizes that he is about to be pressed. So they go to Gethsemane, and it says, And Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Jesus is absolutely perfect. He never sins, but he's now distressed and troubled, and that sounds a bit like anxiety to me. 
in the message, which is more of a, a devotional translation of the Bible. Listen to what it says in Mark 30, or in verse 33. It says this. It says, he plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. My guess is that that description of what was happening to Jesus sounds familiar to many of you. A sinkhole of the heart into dreadful agony where you can't catch your breath, where there's panic all around. And Jesus sank into this hole of dreadful agony. And there, he's at this point where, where there's these extreme external circumstances beginning to press in on him. And there are times where, where we allow our hearts and our minds to go to the worst case scenario and we get consumed by all of the, the what ifs and the unknowns and we begin to fall into dreadful agony. And Jesus, God in the flesh, one who never sinned, who never was entered into anxiety because of his own sin, but all of a sudden we begin to recognize that he knew the very pressure and the emotion of anxiety. He was totally in this. He recognizes that, that he's completely innocent and shortly he's going to be arrested. He's going to be tortured. He's going to die via crucifixion. He's going to experience the most painful and humiliating thing possible. And Jesus, completely perfect, completely sinless, is about to become sin and become the sacrifice for sin. I mean, he's never sinned. He's always, because of the fact that he's never sinned, he's always been in perfect relationship with his heavenly Father. But he recognizes that he's about to take on mankind's worst choices and worst actions ever. He's about to take on rape and abuse and hatred and violence and racism and envy and lying and lust and the list goes on and on. He is literally about to become all of those things. The one that is completely holy is about to become completely filthy. The one who has never sinned is about to become sin and he recognizes that when that happens his father is going to turn away from him because God is so holy he can't even look at Jesus in that moment. And Jesus knows that this moment is going to happen where he is going to become completely alone, carrying all of that weight, and he is beginning to plunge into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. And then listen to what Jesus tells his friends. He turns to his friends and he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. Jesus, completely raw, completely transparent with his friends. He's like, guys, I am so overwhelmed. I, I am so overwhelmed it feels like it's going to kill me. He's saying there is so much going inside of me. I'm wrestling with so much stress right now. I think it's going to take me out before I even have an opportunity to get to the rest of it. He's like, guys, I, 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 need, you. I need you. I need you to keep watch. I need you right now to pray. I need you guys to be here with me. I need you now more than ever, more than I can even describe. And Jesus chose to talk with his friends, to be extremely real with them, with what he was experiencing. And I'm convinced one of the biggest reasons we are battling anxiety today, why anxiety is, is happening so, is so prevalent among so many people, is we're lacking true community. We are feeling unsettled, and we are feeling scared, and we're feeling vulnerable to the latest rumor or the next set of bad news. And so much of it is because we're lacking godly, encouraging, uplifting spiritual connection with other believers and other people. 
And when we get down the road in a couple years and they start doing studies on this whole season of, of quarantine isolation, the emotional impact on our psyche is going to be unbelievable. And we are going to see very clearly that you and I were not designed to live isolated from other people. And Jesus just becomes completely honest with his friends. He's like, this is killing me. And in this particular moment, in this particular setting of our world right now, it is difficult to connect, and it will take great intentionality. So what it probably means is you're going to have to make a call. You're probably going to have to pick up the phone and call somebody. You're probably going to need to send an email. You might need to reach out via text. Please do not reach out via social media. <laughs> it, that, that doesn't work. Either people will tell you that you're crazy, or they'll just say, yeah, and it either just... Reach out to someone. And maybe you need to reach out to someone and let them know, I am willing and ready to listen. Maybe you need to reach out to someone and say, I just really need to talk. This is why connect groups are so important. And it's not that in the moment that you're in the group where everything becomes better, it's the fact that when you're in the connect group, you develop relationships so that you become friends, that those are the ones that you can lean on when you feel overwhelmed and when you begin to feel like you're going to be destroyed, when it feels like everything is piling in. Now, because of those relationships created in connect groups, now you have a place to turn. Now you have a place to talk. And Jesus gave us the example of letting his friends know that he was struggling. And then notice what Jesus does. And the next thing that you and I can do is that we need to tell God, that you're being crushed. We don't tell God that we're being crushed because he doesn't already know. We tell God that we're being crushed because we're inviting him into the situation. Now, as a dude, I need to make a confession that's difficult to admit. I don't know anything about cars and engines. I know, I know. I know how to start them. That's about what I got. So you can imagine, as a guy that doesn't know a whole lot, when one of those little indicators... When one of those little lights on my dashboard pop up, that creates some anxiety. Especially the one that's like an exclamation point. Like that seems really serious, right? Like it's like my engine is over my car. It's like yelling at me. And I, I found out that it just means my tires are low. So it's kind of a big deal, but it seems overkill, right? Like, ah! oh, your tire's low. Or, or, the, or the light that says check engine. That just seems way too general, right? It's like, yeah, it's there. I don't know. Like, I, I mean, the one light I can handle is the low gas. Like that one, I'm like, okay, I got this. I don't know how to solve that. But the rest of them, it's like, oh, great. But the deal is the light or the indicator isn't the problem. When the light turns on, it's a signal that something else is wrong, and it would be really wise for me to go have somebody that knows how to look at cars figure out what's wrong with my car. So anxiety is a signal alerting us that something is wrong, and it's probably time to pray. It's probably time to take whatever's on our mind to God. I mean, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. So what's on your mind, what's on your heart, take it to God. If you're worried about your marriage, pray about your marriage. If you're worried about the economy, pray about the economy. If you're worried about the election, pray. We should all be praying about the election. Just, we should all just be worried. It doesn't even matter. If you're worried about your job, pray about your job. If you're worried about a decision that you've got to make, pray about that decision. If you're worried about your kids going back to school and you can't seem to remember, do they go Monday and Tuesday or Thursday or Friday or what? Like you can't... 
If you didn't plan to be a homeschool parent, if you didn't choose to do that, pray for your kids. And then remember to pray for forgiveness for all the times you blamed your teacher for your kids. Remember, you're like, oh, that teacher's terrible. Like, oh, maybe the problem wasn't the teacher. Now that you're spending 24 hours a day with your kids. Anyway, whole nother message. But if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about it. Anxiety is a signal alerting us, it's time to pray. It's time to talk to God. And, and Jesus, he talks to his friends and then he talks to his heavenly father. Verse 35 says this. It says, going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Jesus is saying, I, I don't, I don't want to suffer this way. And here's what I love about Jesus. He's just honest. He's just honest. He didn't, he didn't use one of those memorized prayers. And the big problem with our memorized prayers is we, we teach kids these memorized prayers, but these memorized prayers are kind of terrifying, aren't they? Like, what's the classic one? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die... Before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Who thought we should teach four-year-olds this? Right? Hey, little Jimmy, I know you're going to sleep, and tonight you might die. <laughs> so because, little Jimmy, you might die tonight, let's pray that if you do die, that God will come take your soul. Because if it's not God, who else is going to? Jimmy, your soul tonight. I'm like... Why did we think this is a good idea? Why are little kids like, I don't want to sleep. No wonder they're afraid of the dark. What are we teaching them? But Jesus doesn't pray like, God is great, God is good. Now I go to the cross. That's not what he prayed. Jesus' close friend Peter actually said, cast your cares on him. Cry out to God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do. I don't know that I can take it anymore. God would rather us be completely honest and just unleash on him than somehow live this hypocritical walk away from him life. And he's big enough to handle the hurt of our souls and he knows he's invited us to cast them on him. And there's literally going to be healing and freeing in our lives when we begin to tell God what we're afraid of and where we're doubting and that we don't understand and that when we're upset about the things that are going on, he can handle the honesty. When we tell him things are falling apart and I'm not sure I can even trust you anymore. God, I'm struggling to trust you. That's the kind of honesty that's available to us. I mean, that's what Jesus is just saying. He's like... I think my soul is being crushed. He's like, God, I know that this is the plan. Father, I know this was what we talked about. I know that, is it possible that we not do it this way? I don't know that I can take this on, Father. Everything is possible for you. Have we thought about all the options? If there's any other way, he's like, I'm begging. So at two in the morning when you can't sleep and there's shortness of breath and it feels like the world is closing in, tell God your thoughts and your feelings and the pressure and the doubt. Ask him if there's a way that it can change. Ask him if there's a way that he can make it better. And he may or he may not. 
But when we tell him, now we've expressed what's going on inside of us, and we've invited God into the moment. And we've told him, and we've expressed to him where we are being crushed, and why we don't think we can make it. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing. And then that brings us to the last step, and the last thing that Jesus demonstrated when you and I want to find relief from anxiety is we just simply need to admit exactly what it is that you're feeling and thinking. And since I've already been honest with you about the whole car and engine light thing, I'll just be honest about some other stuff. There are times when, when I process what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking, and it is completely whacked out. Completely jacked up. So wayward feel. I'm like... And this is one of the moments when having you in the room would be really helpful because I could actually read if I lost you right there and then be like, just kidding, not real. And, and maybe some of you are like closing your laptops and you're like, ugh, I can't deal with that. So if any of you in the room are watching the online and everybody is just tuned out, we can just be done. But the feelings that we experience sometimes are just crazy. And the idea is that the feelings that we have are not a problem. We just shouldn't trust them. Don't automatically trust your feelings. You are not your feelings. Your feelings are real. Your feelings are important. Your feelings are just not always true. So what we have to do is we need to admit exactly what we're feeling so then we know exactly how to deal with it and process it. And let God speak into what it is that we're feeling. It doesn't mean that our feelings are always wrong. It just means that we can't allow our feelings to be the boss of us. Instead, we need to be the boss of our feelings. Just because I feel something doesn't mean that's true. And so many times we find ourselves worried and obsessed about things that will never happen. So if we can admit that that feeling is happening, we're allowing God to now step in and respond and help us respond to that correctly. It's exactly what Jesus did. Verse 36. He said, Abba, Father. He said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus is like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. This is what we got to do. Jesus wasn't looking for the opportunity to be rejected and abused and falsely accused and, and nailed to a cross. He wasn't looking for the opportunity to feel shame and pay the price for all of our sin. He wasn't looking forward to an opportunity to be emotionally distant from God. He never said that. He was saying, if there's a chance, can we do this another way? That's exactly what he was feeling. But we'll do it if I have to. And when you and I begin to admit exactly what we're feeling, when we begin to tell the truth about what our feelings are, now we can begin to deal with them. So when we begin to start or feel like, God doesn't love me. No, 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 no then I can speak to the truth of that. Oh, yeah, God is love. In fact, God loves me so much that he let his son die on the cross so that I could have eternal life. And when I begin to feel all alone and like nobody cares, it's no, 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 no. There are people around us. God has put people in our lives, and sometimes we have to pursue that a little bit. Sometimes we have to engage in that a little bit, but God himself says he'll never leave us, so that's not true. Or if I start to worry about my finances, it's like, oh goodness, there is way more month left than money. Oh, wait, wait, my God is the abundant provider who will meet all of my needs. Or if we begin to feel like, I don't think I can go on, then I can tell my feelings, no, 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 
I can do all things through the risen Christ who gives me the strength to face anything. I don't have to be a victim to my circumstances. Because of the power of God to raise Jesus from the dead, I can be an overcomer and deal with whatever I'm facing. An early church leader said it this way. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what this is saying is, when you begin to start to feel anxious, admit it. Regardless of the situation, no matter the circumstances, identify what it is that you're feeling. Tell God that you're feeling overwhelmed. Tell God that you're feeling crushed. Identify whether it's some outside forces or internal voices. Tell God what it is. Allow God to then begin to reveal to you how he can make a difference in that moment. So whatever the circumstances are that cause you to feel anxious, through prayer and petition, say, God, I need you. God, I need you to bring peace to my heart. I need you to bring peace to my mind. I need you in this moment. Allow anxiety to be a signal of how much you need the presence of Jesus in your life and his power over death to give you the power over what you're facing and his forgiveness of your past to allow you to experience the freedom that he brings and begin to live in the reality of what's true, understanding that God will help you through anything that you face. And every week we try to provide you with some practical next steps. They're on your Connect cards or in the message notes. And really the goal is for you to think through what is it that you need to do based on what it is that you've heard this morning. And there's some things maybe we don't even have on here. Maybe, maybe you do need to go talk with a doctor. Maybe you need to set up some counseling, whatever it is. But here's some next steps in terms of this, what we talked about this morning. Maybe your first next step is to consider making prayer a greater priority in each of your day. In each of your days, pray. Maybe you need to identify some friends that you need to talk with about the anxiety that, or feelings that you're having. Maybe you need to invest the time to identify what is truly causing your anxiety. Spend some time, figure out what those true feelings are so you can begin to identify how God wants to speak to those. And then recognize and admit that there are so many stressors and pressure right now that have to be navigated in this moment. Cut yourself some slack. Recognize the reality of it. Talk to God about it. Talk to your friends about it. And talk to those feelings that you're having. Let's pray. God, right now, uh, we are feeling all kinds of feelings. And so many people are experiencing high levels of anxiety. And, and God, this morning we could hear this and it could cause us to feel worse about the situation or we could choose to recognize that you want to and you demonstrated for a way for us to begin to find some relief from the anxiety that we experience. Jesus, would you, would you help us to find people to talk to and would you help us to be open with you as we, as we pray? And God, would you help us to be clear about what it is that we're feeling? Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your care for us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.